0: It's Randy Holsey with Backstage Pass Radio. Today is very bittersweet for me. By now, most of you who knew Joey C. Jones have probably learned that he lost his battle with cancer yesterday morning around 8 o'clock. It was an absolute honor to have such a legend co-host the show you're about to listen to with Michael Lane Hildebrandt. And I can tell you that Michael shares my sentiments. Joey's love and contributions to the music he wrote and performed will be dearly missed. As you listen to the interview with Michael and Joey, please continue to keep Laura, Jade, and all of Joey's family and friends in your thoughts and prayers. Joey's music will continue to play in the hearts of his family and friends for many years to come. Make sure to tell the people that you love that you love them each and every day. Life is so short. I hope that you all enjoy Michael's story as much as I did talking to him. The fact that Joey did the show with Michael and I was icing on the cake for both of us. Rest easy, Joe. I love you, and you will be missed. Hey, everyone, it's Randy Halsey here with Backstage Pass Radio. To the listeners that have us dialed in on the headphones today, thank you guys for tuning into the show. I'm excited to be up here in Louisville, Texas, with my guest today. He's been in the music scene for years and started a project called Bubblegum Orchestra back in 2011. He's a bass guitarist, singer, songwriter and the brains behind the melodic music of the Bubblegum Orchestra Project. I will visit with the mega-talented visionary, Michael Lane Hildebrandt, when we return.
1: This is Backstage Pass Radio, the podcast that's designed for the music junkie with a thirst for musical knowledge. Hi, this is Adam Gordon, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn alerts on for this and all upcoming podcasts. And now, here's your host of Backstage Pass Radio, Randy Halsey. Hey,
0: everyone! I'm here in the Blue Violin Studios today, in the home of Michael Hildebrandt, and I'm super stoked about being here. Michael, thanks for having me here in uh, Louisville. Thank
2: you for coming.
0: Yeah it Good was time. a it was kind of a a uh, a planning effort and, and I knew we, we have a special guest on today that's going to help me co-host but we kind of worked the schedule to where we could kill a couple of birds with you know with me coming in from Houston to watch you guys track a song so Again, I'm super excited to be here, and I'm also super excited to have a special co-host on the show today, the inventor of Styling and Profiling, Mr. Joey C. Jones. Yes. Welcome to this show, Joey.
3: Thank you, Randy. This is my uh, second one with you.
0: Yeah, and yes. it's, it's nice to uh, be here with Hildy, yeah. and nice with, uh, to be here with you as well. This is a super cool Thank you treat for, uh, for me. Thank you
3: for driving up, Randy. We, we appreciate it. Everyone checking out Backstage Pass Radio, keep checking out the show.
0: Yeah, Thank I appreciate that. Now, Joey, Joey's here today with you, Hildy. Uh, you guys are are tracking a new song. Can you talk a little bit about the song?
2: Sure. Uh, the song is called I Found an Angel, and I thought Joey would be the, the perfect voice to come in and do some tracking with me here today. He's, he's been in the studio a couple times in the past working on uh, previous songs, on previous albums, and... It's been great. He's a pop guy, and I love him, and I, I, I just love everything about him and what he does. Aww. You know, especially in the studio here. So it's always a, a, a privilege and an honor, and I feel blessed to have him come in. But the, the song is "I Found an Angel." It's going to be on uh, an, a forthcoming album, a double album coming out in twenty twenty two, and uh, I wrote it for my girlfriend. But Joey was gracious enough to come in and sing on it and and do his thing, and then our, our our friend adam hamilton is going to be cutting the drums on it here yeah here's soon awesome. yeah yeah so we're we're looking forward to getting that Love you
3: adam hamilton Ad- oh,
0: adam's man. uh episode will be dropping in january uh, awesome. on my show so we'll, we look forward to that great guy so you guys have a have a rock star there playing the drums for yeah, you right
2: that's great we, we all have a history with him uh, to certain degrees joey more than me but uh yeah he is a friend and he's a good guy and uh he called and offered to do it. So, you know, it's just a blessing to, you know, yeah. get him in here doing that. So, yeah, so the song's called I Found an Angel. And we've been cutting vocals today with Joey and sounding great and having a good time and just having a blast. Enjoying our
0: Saturday. How did the, the voice feel today, Joey? Uh,
3: it's, I, I don't have a lot of high end right now. I've kind of lost the uh, high end. And then I tried to do some screaming, and we're going to end up finishing that that track up this evening. It feels okay. I'm struggling here, you know, getting over pneumonia, dealing with this cancer crap, but, man, I've got a lot going on with the music, and uh, being here today with Randy and Michael Hildebrandt and Doug great day. It's a beautiful
0: day. You you said that the uh, screaming usually doesn't begin before 10 p.m., yeah. right? So so we're way before the time for yeah. screaming into a microphone, right? Yeah, <laughs> we'll,
3: we'll grab some pizza first.
0: <laughs> That's right. I'm looking forward to that. I've been hearing about the pizza for a couple of days now, so yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Now, Michael, I know that you've been in here, you've been in Dallas for a long time, but you're not originally... A native Texan, no, are sir. you? No. Talk, talk to me about where you grew up. I'm a damn Yankee. Are you? A damn Yankee. Yeah, that's and not called. the one with Tommy Shaw and uh, Ted Nugent, right? Unfortunately Different not. damn Yankee, unfortunately
2: right? Unfortunately not. No, the, the, the original damn Yankee. I moved here to Dallas in 1987. I was born and raised in a small town in Iowa, Muscatine, Iowa, right on the Mississippi River, and spent all my youth and my uh, teenage years up until I was—I uh, moved here in '87. So I'm—I'm I'm an Iowa boy. I'm an Iowa Hawkeye guy. Joey's an Ohio Buckeye. Buckeye. All you Yankee guys. It's crazy. It's
0: crazy. <laughs> well, when the uh, professional hockey team in Houston left in 2012, they went to Des Moines. So that's who we lost our hockey team to in Houston. So what brought you to Texas originally? Did you have a a family member that got a job and transplanted that way? Or talk to me a little bit about that.
2: A a couple different things. I had a good friend, uh, Tony Goldsberry. He had had moved to Dallas. And one of the reasons was I would call him in January when there was snow up to my, you know what, my ass in Iowa. And he'd be out by the pool here in Dallas, like, oh, it's 75 degrees, I was like, oh, okay, you know I'm living in the cold weather, which I grew up around, and I loved it, but I think it was time for a change, plus, there wasn't many bands getting signed out of Muscatine, Iowa <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I wanted to pursue that, I, I got a late start in music you know, when I was like 21, but I decided, Muscatine's just not gonna cut it, you know, I was in some bands up there, and it was fun, cover, cover bands and everything and that was good, but uh, I thought let's just move to a big city, and and see what happens down here, and I was blessed to, you know, a couple of years after that, I went out to Savvy's in Fort Worth, that, that's where it was, yeah, and Fort Worth. I saw my first band in Texas, and it just happened to be Joey C. Jones, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he knows that right now, but it was sometime after I moved here, I don't know the exact year, but anyway, so I, I met him during that, and that, that's what brought me here, was to you know get into the music and pursue it
0: so what variation of of joey's band was it pal joey or in helicopter i mean do you remember it was after savage there's it
2: been was, a lot of it. maybe it was savage because you savage is shock too 88 89 it was one of one, one of those two acts i think it was savage yeah i, I think it was before shock Two. We but i could hold forward it, it, you
0: ruled a lot of places, actually, yeah, right? All
2: I saw was a lot of blonde hair up there, and <laughs> and I think just a jockstrap on yeah. Joey. I, I don't want to embarrass I, you. I remember that I mean, picture. I know you're a sensitive guy, and I don't want to, <sighs> you know, I want to I want to get you all uh, embarrassed yeah, here. But I, I
0: think I, that I, thing's still floating around on the internet it, somewhere. Is, isn't it, it? It. It's,
3: it's
2: I, I think it's in a museum.
3: I somewhere. can do that now and, and completely clear out the building <laughs> in record time. Well, why
2: would it clear out the building? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Wouldn't it attract? I think that thing should be in the Smithsonian
2: by now, right? Something like that. Oh, and the women. Oh, it was was just, uh, it's like, it's a whole different world down here in Texas. All right, I'm going to stay. And I I haven't left yet. So, well,
0: I I had a mutual friend by the name, I'm not going to. Call him out by well, maybe I will. Stacy steele. I was talking to Stacy the other day. Of course, he was a he was a a guest on the show earlier this year, but he was telling me a story about you, and it it was I, I think the story was something and you correct me if if I have the story wrong, but this is the gist of the story. I think you were coming in to audition for Mind, Body, and Soul, and he was telling me that. In walks this guy that was the most intimidating looking guy he's ever seen in his life. This guy had leather pants on. He he had like ten earrings in each ear and Stacy was like, what in the fuck just walked in the door? Like he, he said, I was actually spooked by this guy. Uh, do, do you remember the audition with mind, body and soul? And, and, and is his story correct or is he lying I, on you? I,
2: he's not lying. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think he's pretty correct with that. He was I, into piercing. <laughs> that's for sure. I was into the piercing.
3: Hey, cocky freak.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was. I had him everywhere. Remember that one night, Joe. Yeah. Anyway. No, a, I don't. It's a, it's a <laughs> he, he blocked that out of his <laughs> memory. I, I don't Stop actually that. remember the uh you know, the audition for Mind Body Soul. I thought I I thought we were kinda at a party one night and they were wanting me to do it. And uh but I'm sure that happened. But yeah, I had the Mohawk and the leather. That's right, he and, did he did mention the Mohawk. And and the piercings.
4: He looked
3: like a freak. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it it was basically that. But yeah, that's the way I looked and I went in and I, I'm sorry I scared you, Stace, but... Uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: he spooks easy, though. Stacy he kind of yeah, spooks but, easy. But
2: you notice now, who has the mohawk? Yeah. Mr. Steele.
0: Right, right. Oh. So you
2: know, I may, maybe uh, I wore off on him a little bit.
0: Well, I don't, I don't like to tell stories that people... I say this in fun and in love, but he did say that the guy that looked the scariest in the band, which was you... You were the guy that didn't drink, you didn't smoke, you didn't you didn't do all of these things and the guys and the guys that looked a little more home homely than you like like they were the ones that were out of control is there any truth to that? <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> Joey Joey didn't even have to let you answer the question. Joey answered for me. Yes to all the above. I guess
0: if you're auditioning for a band you have to even if you can't play the guitar, you have to at least look the part. You have to look the part. You yeah, absolutely, both. do
2: that. That that is it.
0: Now, bass guitar is the go-to instrument for you, correct? Yes. Who influenced you to ever even pick up a bass guitar?
2: A guy named uh, A guy right. named Tim Wallet. Uh, he was in Muscatine, Iowa. He played guitar. He was doing a video for the local some pbs station he wanted to do a video and he needed a bass player and he goes hey you know you do you play bass of course not i do not play bass he goes i'll teach you i'll teach you some bass and i said all right he goes you know i want to do a video and get you and your brother in there and everything and i said yeah I'll, i'll do it so he had a bass and he taught me some stuff, some April Wine, and I just learned by ear. You know, I don't read music or anything, but he taught me, and he got me into it. I blame him for all this. That's where that started. That it just happened to be the bass, you know, and I picked it up. And the video never happened. We never did a video for some reason, but uh, yeah, he got me started on that, and I'm thankful. I, every time I talk to him, I, I thank him.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned April Wine for the listeners that are listening to the show. I'm here in the home studio of Michael Hildebrandt. And he opened up a closet in the studio and there's literally hundreds of concert shirts. It's a museum in it. It's a museum. It's like the Smithsonian. And and I will tell you that these are not the ones that you go to the store and you buy aftermarket. These are the actual tour T-shirts. And he happened to pull out an April Wine T-shirt. The Nature of the Beast Tour, 1981, which is like... April Wine was just like my oh, band, yeah. like back in the day. That was good shit back then, yeah, you know?
2: I, I always pull out, so I pulled that out, and, yeah, I, I got, yeah, I just got hundreds of shirts. See, every time I went to a show, my, I think my mom would give me $20, and it's like, hmm, what do I want to do? Buy, <laughs> you know, some popcorn, because I, I, was, I wasn't old enough yeah, to we'll drink. Go, we'll go with that one. And, yeah. You know, want a Coke, or do I want to get a concert shirt? So I, I, I bought the concert shirts, and then some of the shows that I went to that I – couldn't get two shirts, I'd go back on eBay and find a you know, sure. shirt and then just kind of fill up my collection of what I would have bought in, back in the day. But you know, 90% of those are from me going to concerts.
0: Well, I think it's a, the, the, the amazing part of that is not just looking at those shirts and going back to a point in time. But it's the fact that you've kept up with them for 40 years now. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like, I don't even remember (laughs) what I did yesterday, let alone where my concert shirts are from 81. Right. Right.
2: Well, they're pieces of art to me. You know, you'd go to a show and it's just like back in the day when you get the album. you know, it was the album art, but it was on a shirt and it was just beautiful to me. So, I mean, I still wear them. I mean, I wash them. I dry them. I don't I don't baby them. Yeah. And. You know that that's what I
0: those are experienced shirts those right? are
2: very if those shirts could talk yeah. they'd have nothing to say
0: <laughs> well but, I, I I will have to say that um, I'll get approval or ask for approval To maybe post some pictures of your place here, but this is like a uh, a rock and roll shrine in this place. I
3: thought monsters of Filmland.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy, but we we won't go into a rabbit hole with that. But I'll, I'll ask for permission to post a few pictures, and you guys, the listeners, can maybe understand what's going on in in the room and in the house that we're sitting in. It's really, really cool stuff here. A
3: lot of history here. Yeah. Um, Hildy is friends with Stephen Howard who was Paul McCartney's trumpet player in Wings and uh, one of the first things when you walk in to Michael's house, uh, the trumpet that Stephen played on, on the tours and on all those great Wings albums Here's a trumpet downstairs for that, and I found that fascinating.
0: That is a cool piece of memorabilia hanging on the wall there. I mean, we, we could go on for hours about the stuff on the wall. Yeah. Did you want to share a thought with well, that? You well,
2: know, that's just a piece of history. You know, Steve uh, sent it to me with his blessing, and I told him one day, down the road I'll make sure that trumpet goes into the you know, there's a trumpet museum, you know. Oh, a wow, through, isn't... And it's gonna go to where it needs to be with all the provenance and that's all the great. stories behind it because it deserves that. I mean I love it on my wall, but nobody gets to see it and yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. And you know, I feel you know, it's mine for now. Or I'm just I'm just keeping it for now. It's sure. not it's not mine. It'll right. never be mine. I don't want it to be mine. That's Steve's, that's his memories, that's his You'll pass the torch. With, with yeah. Paul McCartney and Wings, so yeah. It's a cool thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, you go, going back to the um, the bass guitar, when I came off of playing classical piano, that's I was a classically trained pianist, if you will. That's kind of where my music You're foundation started. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> no. I'm not there was a segue. I'm using that for a segue, but I, I always wanted to play the guitar and I was so I, I was I love Nikki Six. I love Getty Lee. So I went and bought a bass guitar, but then I realized that, wait, I can't, I can't really play chords and sing with this because I was a vocalist too. So I wound up trade. it was a PVT-40, I believe. I traded it for my first acoustic guitar, and I've always kicked myself for trading that bass. Now, I, I've bought a bass since then that I have in my studio, but that was kind of my, my venture down the bass line, and I never really learned to play the bass very well at all but were there mainstream rock people that you would call influences for the music you played like does one mainstream person stick out to you mccartney mccartney
2: you know sure who doesn't like paul mccartney's bass playing you know so i didn't really learn a lot of Beatles stuff growing up because i was it was more 70s stuff like i told you i mean I started playing April Wine songs. Yeah. You know, i get my old, as Cheap tricks says, got my old Kiss records out and yeah. and learned that way or you know picked up some ELO albums and I would just learn by ear and play it. And then, like I said, I got into a cover band and we played a lot of Skinner and a lot of Southern rock stuff. And that was my first experience with bass playing live. But to pick out, you know, probably some of my major influences. But, you know, I like Getty Lee too, but... I, I just can't, I can't, I can't do all that stuff. I mean, yeah. that just doesn't come natural. Who can? Oh, yeah. That doesn't come natural to me. Um, when I first moved to Dallas, I I went and I met Kenley Wolf, Barney Wolf from uh, Lord Tracy, and I'd go over to his apartment. I took bass lessons from him for probably six months, and he taught me all the, the slap and stuff that I really couldn't utilize in what I'm doing today, you know, the yeah. pop stuff, but it was very fascinating, and, you know, I retained some of that stuff, but he was probably the, the main guy that I learned from. And I really, I loved Lord Tracy and I, I followed them when they were Tracy Lords and when mm-hmm. I first moved here to Dallas. And, but as far as like, you know, just some influences, it, it, Kenley Wolf. Yeah. Cool guy.
0: It's my understanding, and, and I've kind of learned it since I've been in your home here, that there's a lot of stories that you have. I need to know the story about the Spinal Tap base. Can you share that story with me? <laughs> Stacy uh, "Stacy's hard at work behind he, the scenes. He is hard at
2: work. <laughs> so, when I was living in Iowa, I think it was uh, the mid, er, early 80s, whatever. And I like BC Rich Basses. And there was a town north of me, the Quad Cities, Rock Island, Illinois. And there was a, a famous little uh, music shop there. And I went up there to buy, to get a bass. And I had a... B.C. Rich Ironbird with the Kaler tremolo, all the bells and whistles, the 80s looking uh, basses, uh, custom made for me, Ferrari red, you know, hot, hot, hot red. Anyway, so I was, I was in their shop ordering that. And in the window, there was this strange looking bass guitar, B.C. Rich. It was all this glitter tape on it and everything. And I was, what's that? Inquired about it. And they said, well, there's this movie that just finished shooting. It's called Spinal Tap. It's not out yet and this uh this bass guitar was featured in that in that movie and they said now would you like to uh you know you'd have the opportunity to purchase that if if you wanted to since you're placing a custom order with bc rich guitars and i said yeah you know what's the price I was like oh well, 600 bucks and you know all we have to ask is put a down payment on it and you know, you can pay it out, and it just has to stay here for promotion in our store. That's why it's here in the first place, sitting in the, in the front window. Even though the, the, the movie wasn't released, nobody knew what Spinal Tap was. They didn't know the movie. So I said, yeah, let's do it. So anyway, I ended up buying it, and I moved to Texas, and I have many pictures of me playing live down at On the Rocks On with the, rocks. the Spinal Tap bass guitar, and I... It's a piece of history. It shouldn't have been played. It should have been hanging on the wall. Sure, sure. But I went and I played it. And, you know, I just <laughs> did what Harry Shear, you know, played in the, in the movie, you know. And you, right. see, you see it throughout the whole movie.
3: You guys became
2: friends after that, I believe. Well, we, be, we, we did meet. And at, later on in the story, yes. Um, but I, I, so I had that base for a long time. And then after many years, I was like, you know, this needs to be in a museum. It doesn't need to be hanging in my, in my house. And so anyway, I got, I got a hold of uh, the Hard Rock Cafe, and they said, yeah, you know, we want to buy it from you. So right after that, I contacted Harry Shear. I forget how I got a hold of him, but he did answer. And I said, hey, I've got this bass guitar. I'm wanting to sell it to the Hard Rock Cafe. Can will you sign it for me? And he lived in Santa Monica. I lived in Dallas. He said, yeah, bring it out. So my brother did, a, and I did a road trip. We went out to Santa Monica. Wow. And we were staying with one of our other friends. Brian Vaughn that lived out there at the time. And we were trying to get a hold of Harry for like four days. Like, we were only out there for so long. And he didn't have cell phones in, so he had to go pay phone or whatever. Try to get a hold of Harry. Answering machine, answering service, answering service couldn't get a hold of him we thought oh no is he gonna stiff us you know the old stiff yeah. convincer you oh, know yeah. we've been through it anyway so my brother and i said well, let's just do one last call it was in the morning time he answered the phone he goes the guys he goes i'm sorry he goes I- i've been really sick he goes here's my dress it was down right on the beach in santa monica we went down he'd, he he could tell he'd been sick and so we brought it in introduced ourselves and he opened the case. That's the base. He goes. I know that base. So really? he signed it, How cool. and I said, you know, we're we're going to give a portion of this to charity. My my sister has MS, so his good friend, uh, oh God, Squiggy from Laverna yeah. I forget his name. I, I apologize for that. But anyway, uh, David Landers, and uh, so he said, yes, yeah, so, you know, I'll sign it. You give a portion, and and I did. So then I ended up selling it to the Hard Rock Cafe. But yeah, I owned that base for. 20-some years. No kidding. And speaking of Stacy, I took it out to one of our, just a little acoustic show we did once, and he played it live up on stage <laughs> somewhere, I think in, I forget what, in Addison or Carrollton or something. And uh, so he, he got a big kick out of that, but he, he really liked that that bass guitar and all of its history. Do you have any idea if it's still in the Hard Rock? It's in the Hard Rock Cafe in uh, somewhere in Alaska. I don't know the city, and I've tried doing research on it, but the guy I sold it to in, Florida, the guy that worked it, uh, that did all the buying of their guitars, he said it was going to uh, Anchorage, Alaska, the maybe, okay. cafe. Interesting. So I believe that's where it's hanging, and that, that's where it needs to be. Yeah. But you know, so that most people can see it. Not that Absolutely. a lot of people are seeing it in Anchorage. I would think it'd be in a right. you know,
0: a little LA poisonous. or something like that. Maybe. maybe yeah. You know. Well, besides the bass guitar, I know, I know you're a multi instrumentalist. Talk to me a little bit about other instruments that you play and maybe you're not as proficient with the others as you are the bass but talk to me about the creativity that you have with the other instruments
2: I can talk to you very little about being a multi-instrumentalist uh, I do what I need to do to get by in here um, thank God I've been given the gift to where I can get you know I can do the rock and roll stuff on the piano and the, the stuff that you hear on the BGO recordings don't put me on a concert <clears throat> stage next to Randy and because you know that's not going to happen.
0: You're talking about a different Randy. No, I'm, I'm talking sure. about you. My
2: <laughs> yeah, gang, you're not talking about me. <laughs> so, yeah, the piano, some guitar. My brother. He's you know, when I have guitars on albums, I don't I don't do it on every album because I want to kind of switch it up and be a little different. And uh, you know, I, I, I can get my way through some you know nice George Harrison leads or whatever my songs you know need. Yeah. You know, it. I don't. You know, I, I can't overplay. So you know, I I write for the song. And I get by doing that and, you know, the vocals and everything like that. But multi instrumentalist, yeah, the basses... Is- the main thing. Yeah. And
0: then just a few other things. Well, we always have the one instrument that that we're better at than the other yeah. for sure.
2: So, t- uh, uh, unless, excuse me, unless you're Stacy
0: Steele and you can beat uh, well, yeah. all of them. Yeah. We're all aspiring to be Stacy Steele. So
3: uh-huh. This is album number what for Bubblegum Works? Uh, the one you sang on today? Yeah.
2: Uh, it's it's number 14. 14. Number 14. It is, it's, a wow. double, it's a double album. Wow. Yeah, And you're why, on why You're part of my oh, history again. And I appreciate Lucky it. Lucky me.
0: I'm not on it, Lucky but I was me. in the studio, so I, 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 yeah. I'm, a, I'm blessed to be we here to do that.
3: You're straightening me out on a few
4: things.
0: Now, when we talk about musical influences, I know when you and I spoke, if my old memory serves me correctly, there were influences for you, Joey, uh, like jellyfish was one, I think uh, of course, sweet was another, cheap trick was a big one for you you were you were kind of a a, a bubblegum rocker kind of guy, oh, yeah. right that was your that was your thing. but when I ask you the same question, who was inspiring you as maybe? A teenager, like who was influencing the music that you were listening to? Boston, Boston,
2: Warner, Styx, Journey, Toto, April Wine, all
0: the all the the t-shirts that we that we've looked at.
2: Kansas, you know those type of bands, and Electric Light Orchestra, of course, and the Beatles. I mean, that's I always say my favorite American band is uh, Boston, and my favorite English band is ELO slash the Beatles. So Of course, I have many more, but if somebody ever asked me just that one.
0: Chord, those are the go-tos. Those
2: are the go-tos. But it wasn't bubblegum pop for me. Even though I grew up in the 70s, you know, in the 60s, like, like Joe, and I heard all that stuff, and I really did love all that, you know, Love and Spoonful, yeah. you know, Three Dog Night, yeah. all these bands. But I'm not real well-versed on some of these pop hits I've heard. You know, I, I really don't sometimes remember the name of the band. Yeah. But
0: uh, I'm here to help you with that. My head's (laughs) full of that kind of stuff. And and it's, it's amazing to me how three guys can sit in a room and we're all bound by the same thing—the love of music—and oh, and and we we can all agree on you know these bands that we've recited. Like I remember, "Love Is Like Oxygen" by oh, Sweet, man. like was one of my favorite songs Great. in the late seventies. Like, how do, how do you go wrong with that kind of music? It's it's what shaped me as a kid too. Sure. The ELOs, the Boston's—you know—all the ones that you guys named. Yeah,
3: I always wanted to sound like that. I ended up being a hair rocker but I was miserable. I just wanted to sound like my heroes. I just wasn't as good as them.
0: Yeah, and I think you mentioned, too, in your interview, uh, Joey, that that's not... I mean, the Sweet Savage days were huge for you guys, but that music was not really where your heart was. Right. I mean, that was the thing to do for you guys at the time. And you did really well at it, but you know, you, you, we talked about the influences that you had, you weren't up there playing jellyfish. You weren't up there playing sweet. I mean, well, actually you probably guys, you, you covered a sweet song or two, but um, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Michael, Michael and I have a lot in common as far as we've always been in rock bands and good, good musicians around us and stuff, but our heart was always, you know, to sound like Jeff Lynne or to sound like Paul McCartney, and it's it's a nice goal. But I I don't know if I'm the ultimate dreamer or just delusional, but I'm still going to get there. I
2: think you're there. You're way past oh, there. Yeah.
0: Oh, you. Uh, you guys are, yeah. are great musicians. I would like to feature a song. That's called ELO forever. I'm going to let you guys hear a clip of this song, and then we're going to come back and and talk to Michael about the song. And this is also a song that uh, Joey C. Jones sang backup on. Correct. And we'll we'll cover that in just a minute. So we'll be right
2: back.
4: space
0: Where did the inspiration for ELO Forever come from?
2: Well, it came from, a, it initially started from a friend, uh, Keith James Sinclair. He's over in uh, the UK. He's been a big supporter of mine since uh, since we started Bubblegum Orchestra in 2011. He's done many great reviews, and he just enjoys my music, you know, and that, that's what you want to do is reach people. You know, the, the Jeff Lynn ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, uh, they had a double album in... Uh, 1983 secret messages and it, it the record label cut it back so it was just a single album they had all these extra songs and one song was called beatles forever and it was never released back then because jeff lynn just felt kind of strange about it from the stories i've heard that you know because he, he mentions paul ringo and and george in there and he, he i think he felt it was just kind of kind of corny after yeah. a while and he didn't never want to release it but it's out there now but Anyway, I always thought, well, I like I like ELO, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite English bands, and I thought, why not do an ELO forever? So that's where that that idea came from was from from Keith, and I, I had thought about it, you know, probably in the past before Keith even brought it up, and then once he brought it up again, I was like, you know, maybe I should do this. I've never heard it done, you know, nobody's done it, and I thought it would be a unique idea to uh, construct the the verses out of ELO. Song titles, not you know, don't use their lyrics from anything, but construct a storyline with uh, with their song with their song titles. And I thought the perfect guy to come in and help sing on that would be Joey C. Jones, because he loves the ELO and oh, he loves yeah. the, the pop stuff. And so he was the first guy called, and he said absolutely. So he came in, and we did that. But that's how that song got started. And I'm glad I did it because I I think I did it before somebody else did it. And, good uh, job, Michael. I'm real happy with it. It's a my, great song. Thank you. And my brother, he played all the guitars on it, all the the, the acoustics and the guitar He's a good one. Uh, he's great. Yeah. Uh, he he did a really good job on there, and, and you know, Joey did too. And it it just uh, it it started that way, and it it ended, it ended well. And I'm, I'm very happy. I'm proud of the song. I I'm, I think I'm more proud yeah. because my brother and and Joey C Jones is is well that on makes that,
0: that makes it special even even if the song wasn't as great as you thought it was going to be just the fact that you got to play on it with these guys that. is I mean, it's icing on the cake. It, absolutely, everything's gravy after it, that,
2: right? If, if, if nobody else likes it, I love it because my friends are on it and my brother, you you know, friends and family.
3: Everybody loves that song.
0: Oh. Geez. Well, and it's it's uh, yes. I, like like I was I was telling my wife Terry yesterday or day before when I let her hear it. I said it's so cool that you know Joey and and Michael did this song together, and it's basically on it's on record like it's there forever like it can be passed down to kids kids and grandkids and but it's something that can be passed on that that torch can be passed on down the line
2: right Uh, sure it's his legacy you know that's that's why i'm doing my music right here just cut away from that little topic real quick you know this this is my legacy this is what i'm leaving behind uh you can't leave anything behind better you know other than you know family and children and uh and music to me
0: absolutely and, i agree with that
2: you know so that that's that's why i did that song and uh I, i'm just very happy with it and people seem to enjoy should be, it brother yeah well
0: i agree and that was all recorded right here where we're right sitting right, right now here. right here yep, yep. Right and here. do you master your own stuff here too or is it sent somewhere else to master or can you talk a little bit uh, about sure, that
2: sure um I don't master here. I do everything except the mastering. I send it to Billy Stoll at Masterpiece Mastering in South Padre Island, Texas. And he's a great guy. He worked with uh, the producer for Buddy Holly back in the day, and he learned all of his wow. tricks and stuff from him. And his good friend uh, was Ru- Rupert Neve, and they designed some audio equipment together. One's called the masterpiece. That's his magic box he has in his studio that when you send him your you know, your digital studio, whatever you know, record with these days, he runs it all through there and it analogues it out and gives it that nice warm sound. So yeah, I send all my stuff to Billy Stoll and he, he he does really good work with my his songs.
0: I've really come to enjoy the music of bubblegum orchestra over the last few weeks when i kind of teed off this podcast project that was one of the visions of the podcast was to not only expose myself to new music but to also give that music a voice to listeners that have maybe never heard bubblegum orchestra and i've really enjoyed it and i think i mentioned to you before we started recording that I think I listened to three albums worth of material on the drive up from Houston today. So I got I got my BGO fix in before all I got right.
2: here. And I think I said to you after you told me that, and you, and you didn't even crash. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't
3: that's... drive off a
2: bridge or anything. We right? used to
3: have his his three and a half hour drive home. Yeah, I can listen to,
0: to the other. Well, I can't get them all in. There's too many of them. But I can I can get another three or four and in. No for drinking.
4: Sure.
2: <laughs> no. Well, if you do, don't drive.
0: I, right? right now, there's another song called Earth Below Me that's off the 2014 release titled Beyond Time, correct? Yes, sir. I'd like to share a clip of that and then we'll come back and chat a little bit. Right. Sure. For reasons they never told me,
3: she started playing with my mind A night at the opera is all I needed, then I would soon be
4: fine I'm A miscommunication I want is to
0: Now, this song featured a guy by the name of Pete Hackett on lead guitar. Yes. And it also, uh, you also had Joey on vocals as well. Talk to us a little bit about the song, Pete's involvement. Who is Pete? Where did he come from? Of course, my listeners know uh, Joey from a past show and probably even before that, but share a little bit about the, the background of the song.
2: So, the background of, of Earth Below Me, the, the, the album Beyond Time was a. Uh, futuristic kind of dream I had about, uh, just w- where the world would be in the year 2395. And the earth below me was just part of that story. It came about, um, where I, I actually had a dream and I was up in outer space, looking out the window down at earth. So earth below me, it was just kind of a logical, uh, title for a song and I had met a guy Pete Hackett uh, from the UK he's in in a band uh, his own band called Cult of Wedge and I I love his songs and I thought this would be cool to get this guy involved and ask him if he'd want to appear and do a you know play some lead guitar on it and I contacted him, he said, yeah, he would he would love to do it. And that all worked out great. And he, he did some really tasty stuff that I love. And it, it that turned out fantastic. And then when Joey was in the studio doing Yellow Forever, I said, hey, I want you to hear this song. It means a lot to me. I got another friend from the UK playing on it. You know, could you just sing it? It's just a, a little part that Joey did, but it's a very, very prominent part for me in the song. And so Joey came in and did that but yeah the guy from, one
3: take Jones
2: well, it was one take Jones that's that's we, we didn't coin that phrase that day
3: yeah.
2: that was coined a few years earlier and I forget her, decades I forget her name I mean I forget yeah, how really. that happened but uh, so yeah Joey came in and did his thing and then Pete did his thing and it, it, it turned out really good and it's, it's just a nice little song.
0: Well, it's when you're a great musician like yourself, guys like One Take Jones will come in and not charge you anything to do, to do his part. Now, if I called him and said, hey, Joey, come on down to Houston, buddy. We're going to record some Rafferty. He'd be like, I'm 100 bucks an hour, buddy.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For,
4: for you, I'm free, and I'm, and I'm there 20 minutes
3: early.
0: <laughs> when you pick a featured artist for a song, or to be on an album in general do you have a do you envision something from the song like you you have this idea in your head and you're like this is how I think it's going to sound and i think that this person would be the best fit for that is that kind of how the featured musician works for you. It may not. It may be different for other people, but is that how it works
2: for you? It, sometimes it does. Okay, that's that's the way I feel it. Sometimes uh, with Pete Hackett, I didn't know him. I just heard his music, so I had no vision, and I didn't have a solo in there. I could have had my brother come in; he would have done a great job. But I thought, let's just try something different. Um, I like this guy's work, so I sent it to him, and that's the way that happened. But there's been other people like joey you know i've known forever and i do have a vision you know for like Iolo forever for example i i love him coming in and you know you know we both work off each other's you know what, what we're doing in here and sometimes i have suggestions like when um steve howard of of wings came in i had some stuff mapped out and then steve added some stuff and i'm like i'm always very open you know if i, if I like it i like it and he added some stuff to, you know, some of the, his contributions to a, a few songs that he's played trumpet on. and But for the most part, I, you know, half the time I have a vision for the artist. I call them friends, you sure. know, come on and play. And Les Farrington from Sugar Bomb, and I was played with Joey for years. Yeah. And, you know, I've maybe had a vision of just, hey, here's some piano parts that write something, you know, do something with song, you right. know, let's do something. So it's it's it's... Sometimes,
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Les Farrington. I don't know Les personally, but if my memory serves me correctly, Les played in Glory Hounds with you, right, Joey? Yeah. Um, and was in the video, uh, yeah. Wait All Night. Yeah, right?
3: and he was in... Uh, he was supposed to be a big part of mine and CeCe's band, but that didn't work out. But then Les stuck around, and Adam Hamilton and Chris Torok... Craig Bradford, and we threw the Glory Hounds together. But yeah, I couldn't have done any of that stuff without Les. He's brilliant. Yeah. And Les has played on some bubblegum orchestra. How many,
2: which records? Did he has, uh, the, um, let me think here. So he's, 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 he played piano on the, the second album, BGO 2 on Today's Beautiful Um, he came in on 6th Overture and actually sang, he didn't play any piano on that one or any keyboards, but he he sang a verse, a couple verses with me, or just by himself on a song called God is Good and knocked it out of the park, and I think he's been on a a lovely days and lovely nights off of the Discovery he came in and played a really cool piano part on it, but he's been great, you know, I just make a call to him and yeah sure, he's been very very, uh, you know comes right over and does his thing.
0: Well, he's a local guy too, right?
2: He is, but he's busy, you know, he's, he's, he, he's doing his own solo thing. And he, you know, he was doing the sugar bomb thing back in the day. And that was, that was fabulous. But uh, yeah, he's coming in. He, I think he's been on three songs, Joe.
3: Great. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now there's, there's one more song I'd like to share with the listeners. And it's a song called missing me, missing you, which is off the 2021 release angel dream do I I have that yes okay so I'm going to share that clip and then we'll come back and chat a little bit When I hear that song, especially the chorus, I don't think Joey was on that particular song, but I could I could see him doing that song. Like that sounds like a Joey C Jones song to me. Sure, like in sure. his wheelhouse, right? I, I can hear it that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on that album, the the cover art for your stuff sticks out to me. Do you draw the cover art? The records yourself, or is there involvement from other people? Talk to me a little bit about the the cover art, like uh, specifically on Angel Dream.
4: Well, uh,
2: that's a whole different topic on Angel Dream, but all the rest of the albums, my brother Douglas, he's, he's a graphic artist. He does great work. Uh, either he'll come up, my brother, will either to come up with the concept, or I will come up with the concept and. I'll tell him what he wants or he'll throw in his ideas. Most of the time it's his ideas and they're, they're great. So he does all that graphic stuff. Now on Angel Dreams, my girlfriend Angie that lives in Vigo, Spain, she had when I first met her, she had some drawings and she showed me her she showed me her artwork and I loved it and I fell in love And I asked her, hey, you know, I'm working on an album. Can I, can we do something to where I use that artwork? And she, you know, she was a very generous, loving person, of course. And she said, absolutely. So she, she did all that drawing on there. And and I I just did some minor stuff by coloring it. But to answer your question, my brother has done all the other albums, the artwork. Oh, they're great. I I love them. I mean, and he, he's done all that artwork because growing up, like when we all grew up, we would sit down and look at the album artwork and listen to the album. That
0: was a big part of the it, whole experience, right? A, the, Which we don't half, have today with
2: digital music. Half the experience for me. Yeah. And I love that. So I wanted to introduce that with my stuff. And I always wanted to have something interesting to me first. And if other people connect with it, that's great. But I do it for me first. So my brother's done most of the albums. And then Angie did the one album. And uh, so, yeah, he's it's it's killer. I love all that stuff.
0: I, I really do too. And it's one of the things that popped out for me. I saw the cover art before I even heard the music, right? And I'm like, okay, this is this is interesting. And it, it kind of not really a segue into a story, but I started collecting vinyl probably about six months ago, and I haven't touched an album in thirty plus years. And when I got my first album. It was so surreal to sit down and hold that thing in my hand, and to pull the fucking liner notes out and it read the liner so notes. I am a liner notes yeah. junkie, right? Oh yeah. And it was this. It was like the hair on the back of my. It took me back to a point in time. We don't have those experiences no. like, or, or I hadn't had that experience in so many years, yeah. and it's almost like it took me back to a uh, in a time machine. And I think it's amazing the thought and. The work that's gone into your cover art and i just want to let you know that that stands out to me thank you and it's really cool thank you and and i was going to say about your brother just being here in your house and seeing all of the wonderful art and stuff that he does with kiss and all that he's a whole show in and of himself oh, so yeah. oh yeah i'm gonna have to have a bonus episode oh, uh, really? with him so we'll we'll get that lined up sure for sure. sure yeah now you started uh Bubblegum Orchestra in 2011, which was about 10 years ago, and you've put out, or you're putting out your 14th full-length record right these are not eps wow. these are full length that's a lot of material like that's very pro to me that's just prolific like mm-hmm. where did do, where does this stuff come from i don't know where it comes. <laughs> you guys amaze me like it. you childhood <coughs> it's
3: all about those great influences yeah it, it is. is and what it, we miss with with our era of singers we couldn't miss
2: you can't miss and you it, I think the first thing is you have to be inspired. You have to love the music. You have to be doing it for the right reason. At least that's what I tell myself. You know, it's not for money. It's not for the glory or the fame, although that would be great. Wouldn't that be great? That yeah. would be great, you know. So you do it for yourself, and at the end of the day, you live with your product, and like I said, it's my legacy. So fourteenth, 14th, 14th album will come out next year, and that'll be about 11 years. Three of those albums were double albums. So... They weren't just singing.
0: Yeah, I'd never. Them. Yeah, never mind the right. fact that it wasn't like twelve songs, right? There was probably yeah, at least twenty-four on these things. Well,
2: right? you start writing an album for me, anyway. I don't. You write... You get
0: an, in a groove, I guess. Right? You start I, grooving.
2: I don't write fifty songs and say I'm going to pick the best eleven. It's just something happens. Like I feel like writing music. I mm-hmm. like Joe.
3: He goes into it with a plan. My deal was, I'm waiting on the, the record company or yeah. management or yeah. something like, like that
0: for different reasons sure right? yeah, sure
3: mike mike has the luxury of if he's if he's in the mood to spend a week or two or however long it takes him probably less than that to come up with these bubblegum gum orchestra records he's always got a plan when he goes into this stuff
2: my my plan is to start and hopefully I'm, the weld doesn't run dry you know yeah. but, uh, so you know I I, I I just started that way and I'll write if it's 10, 11, 12 songs, and I, I just, something in me says, I, I, I've said all I need or I want to say. You know, yeah. I, I just, I don't I don't feel like writing anymore because I produce and engineer and, and write all this stuff and, and usually perform 99% of the instrumentation on it. So it just takes, if you write it in two months, three months, it takes me another year just to do all the stuff that it takes to get it released because usually in between there, I'm writing another album, yeah, so things start crossing over, and um so I just do it that way. go for it. I
0: find it so cool to talk to guys like you you and Joey and your brother that are so over the top creative. I have my creative areas too, but you know with with lyrics and with art and things like that, it's just. It, everybody has their lane and, and it's so cool that you guys put it together. And I mean, music is the universal language and, and I can understand why musicians are so revered. Sometimes they're so admired because out of a hundred people in a room, how many people can write songs and play them? I mean, it's two, three, right? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a low percentage is is my point. Sure. And uh, it's, it's an amazing talent. So, so kudos to both of you guys. How many singles, or do you know how many singles you've released since BGO Inception? Like, not that it matters. I am just curious because you've got a lot of full length records, but I didn't know how many songs you've kind of released as
2: singles. Usually three or four off each one, but you know, okay. a single these days it just means I released it. You know, yeah. it means I did it. Nobody else did it. Uh, it's just maybe a song that I like that I think other people will, you know will relate to. And you know, we'll maybe enjoy then you know, another one off the album. But I, you know, I like all the songs on every album. So, like missing me, missing you, that just felt that felt good. Yeah. When I wrote it, that just felt right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just felt right. I, I I wrote it for for Angie. Yeah. As missing her. Are, are you missing me, girl? Because, girl, I'm missing you.
0: Oh, I thought that was for me. That was for her, actually. Yeah. <laughs>
2: later tonight. <laughs>
0: Randy, Randy, speaking
3: of you.
2: We'll talk later.
3: Congratulations. We'll talk later. Randy Halsey. I've
0: been married for 33 years, well, but hey. Uh, that's
3: never
2: stopped Joe yet. I mean me. I mean me. <laughs> First
3: thing, Joey's woman, sp- then comes the whiskey. <laughs> no, I, I want to take a second and personally congratulate Randy Halsey. And Backstage Radio, because you're coming up on your one-year anniversary. Thank you Thank for what you. Uh, you do. Thank,
0: Thank you. you. Thank you, it's always a It's always a joy to do that. Yeah. And it was nice to get to meet your sweet girlfriend who's in Spain, mm-hmm. Angie. Yes. Now, I, this is my understanding, I, and I might be off base. I could be on base. But you educate me if I'm off base. There's a good following for your stuff, Bubblegum Orchestra, in Spain. Is that correct? I, and, and don't be humble, there. like, just answer my question.
2: <laughs> I, I, I think so. I, I, I have some people over there that love my music, that is connected with it, that maybe haven't in the United States. I don't know. The, the culture over there seems a little different to me. It's more relaxed, more, I don't know if I want to say old school, but uh, they'll actually listen to a song. You know, here in the United States, everything's just instant gratification these days. And, yeah people will maybe see something if it doesn't catch their eye they won't listen if they listen they'll listen for five seconds and you know that's a reflection on them god bless them at the Mm -hmm. end of the day but uh my music does well there I've, i've charted in the indie charts in in spain uh many times and uh so yeah, it's 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 better over there. I mean, I just I'm, I've been blessed. If anybody listens to my music and connects, that that's a plus for me, no matter what country it's in. But to answer your question, Spain, yeah, it's it's a special place for me.
0: Now you have an official fan
2: club over there, correct? That's correct. It's official. It it says the word official on it, so it's got to be yeah. true. So yeah, it, it is. It's a it's a fan club and. A, couple sweet girls run it and i'd known about it for years and yeah it's cool i mean it's it just it just it just means that they've connected with my music and they love it yeah and they want to celebrate it like i do and they turn it on to other people and they write nice things and they they just enjoy it so well, they're doing,
0: they're basically doing what I do, mm-hmm. but they're hyper focused on you, which I think is yeah. fabulous. So yeah. I was going to ask you in your case, these are just basically a couple of fans uh, uh, initially mm-hmm. that love your stuff that say, we need to start, you know, a, yeah. a Michael Lane Hildebrand fan club. Yeah. And that's how that develops. It's not like the artist, or in your case, Michael says, okay, I need a fan club and I need to go employ a couple of people to spin up a. I mean, that it's done organically, right? It's done. And that, that's, that's, that's cool. That's what's special to me. Absolutely. Because it's
2: done that way. I didn't have any, you know, a lot of stuff this these days in music, you know, Self-centered. self centered. Right. Self. And, yeah. you know, they, they set it up and try to make it look like it wasn't, you know, that they didn't do it. And, uh, yeah, that means more to me than anything, is that someone else did it because they enjoy my music. I mean, that's a bottom line. They enjoyed the music, and what comes after that is awesome. But they did it all on their own. If there was no anything, you know, on my end. I, I just found out about it one day. I was like, are you kidding? That's, 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 that's cool. And I don't think about it much more than that, other than it's cool, and I'm grateful for it. Absolutely. But, you know, I don't, I don't go around, you know telling the world about it or anything.
0: Well, I think I think when you have an official, correct me if I'm wrong, Joey, when you have your own official fan club, I mean, you've made it, man. You've, you you, you, know, you know, like I don't have my own official fan club. And these things are taking place. That's good. That's, well, that's 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 really awesome. I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course. Yes, but sure. But uh, how great is that? It's awesome. That, that somebody thinks that much about your art. And it's about the it's music. Cool. It's yep. just
2: about the music.
0: Absolutely. That's all
2: I want it to be about. I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be about the songs. Somebody relates with the songs great hey i just happened to write it absolutely that's that's that means the world to me and it's it's really cool
0: now bubblegum orchestra is not considered a live band and there's probably a reason for that can you share your thoughts around and i think i've heard somewhere too i'll still a little bit of your thunder i don't think you were ever like, playing live was never a favorite thing for you, correct? Right. And so now you have this project, Bubblegum Orchestra, that's not a live thing. I don't know that that's why you don't do it, but can you share in your own words why BGO is not a live sure.
2: act? I'll never say never. If I get Mr. Joey C. Jones in the band, and I get a less like three Les Farringtons (laughs) and four Adam Hamiltons, and it's a done deal. I I think to bring my stuff to life would be very similar to the ELO current show out there. I mean, it'd be a lot of people, and it'd be. There's just no.
3: You would need a dozen bandmates.
2: Yeah, dozen bandmates. So, So I would need that. The playing live thing. I enjoyed it a lot, the camaraderie more than anything with my bandmates and the people I've met through the years, playing live with other bands and you know playing for, with Cheap Trick and Loverboy and meeting all those guys that way. I, I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. I think I did did well. I did the best of my ability. And I, I had fun doing <laughs> it. I think I did good. Um, Great live performance. But th- thank you, thank you. <laughs> but th- that's for other people to, to say. Sure. Well,
3: I said it so
2: <clears throat> Thanks. It's official. It's official, it's, it's, it's official now. Just,
3: just just, like your fan club.
2: It's another <laughs> official thing.
0: There's a lot of official things going on here this evening. Yeah.
2: So I liked it, but I didn't love it. And when it came to the bubblegum orchestra, I, would, I just got to a point with bands. I love all my ex-bandmates, and I love the camaraderie. I, it just sometimes when you're married to four other people, and maybe everybody's not on the same page, and things developed that way and i just got to the point or i think in the early 2000s i took off i st- i stopped everything live i i didn't even touch my bass guitar in 10 years didn't touch it wow. and i thought I'd, i just i'd lost the love of music because the playing live just kind of it just burnt me out mm-hmm. it's like is it
0: because you were doing too much of it or you No, just, no, no
2: no not okay. too much um just it was, it was just just wasn't my thing, and I could feel that coming from deep within. It, it wasn't really my thing, and I always wanted to do my own music. And I had, you know, my thoughts and dreams of doing it myself. And I just I needed to wait for technology to catch up to do the stuff I wanted to, to do because I love orchestration, as you know. Sure. And as you know, I don't have a forty-piece orchestra playing in my band. Uh, that's not cost-effective, and it's just not practical. So. Luckily, technology has caught up to where I can achieve what I want with that. I can get the sound I want, and it. I just wanted to do it myself. I stand or fall on my own yeah. feet, and nobody else, no manager, no record label. You know, possibly letting you down. Yep. You know,
0: live and die by the sword. Just, right? Just
2: do it. It's my legacy. So, yeah. do it myself. People connect great if they don't, they don't. And to do it myself has just been a godsend for me because I had taken the ten years off. It's like, am I ever going to? play again. And then, like I said, technology caught up and I was able to pursue it. And I've not stopped yet. The well hasn't run dry. I'll bet
0: you, I'm not I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I, I bet you your stress level is far less doing it the way you do it versus trying to answer to a label, right? Yeah. And having to sell so many of this or do so many of that, yeah. right? You do it at your own pace. Yeah. If And correct me if I'm wrong, you do it at your own pace. Absolutely. You do it how you want to. If you don't want a trumpet in there, you don't put a trumpet in there exactly. because somebody else wanted the trumpet in there, right? Sure. So the stress level just goes way down and now you're enjoying it and you're you can be more creative because i think when somebody puts you in a stranglehold those creative juices no longer flow yes they lock inside of you and you're you're only worried about a cell or you're only worried about doing it for somebody else so it, speak to that, that a little that's bit? exactly
2: right um you know you uh yes the stress level of doing it myself is a zero i will honestly say it's a zero I, like you said i do it at my own pace i do it how i want when i want it's not about all me or you know control or anything like that it's just this is my time this is i want to do it uh i get some guest players to come in and you know add their what they want to do and that's great but the stresses lo- level is nothing uh in the bands i i I don't know. I can't speak for Joey, but you know, he he had far more success in in his bands and with labels, and you know, the, maybe the higher stress, lower stress than I've ever had. But you know, playing live for me, it was always fun. I, I just didn't like to travel that much. And at the end of the day, it wasn't. You know, it, it, the, the crowds weren't like what Joey played in front of or anything like yeah. that. And it, I follow you. It, it, it was cool and everything, but. The stress level of some of that got, you know, kind of high at times. But to answer your question, yeah, to to do it myself is just a godsend. You know, it's just, it's meant for me right now at this moment in my life. It's perfect. No complaints. Yeah. Not yet.
0: Nobody'd listen to you if you complained anyway, (laughs) right? Days not over. (laughs) Days not over. over. Now, you guys are both good friends with Adam Hamilton. His name has dropped a couple of times in the interview. Share with me. Michael, you share with me first your connection with Adam.
2: I met Adam through Joey. I don't know the exact year, but I was in the band Tour De Affair. We were a band for five years. Uh, Randy St. John on drums, Maston Walker on vocals, uh, Sean Hooks Fulton on keyboards, vocals, Bobby Stewart on vocals and lead Sweet guitar. Good band, uh, was killer. And then me doing my thing on a bass guitar. So uh, we were cutting the album here in dallas and joey came in he was uh he was working with our management if if, see if i get this story right working with them and and helping us out giving us all his expert advice for what he had you know lived and been through in in his career his uh, illustrious career up to there and uh he was helping us out quite a bit and i I met adam through there and adam came in the studio and i think he's messing around on drums and we were playing one day and you know we, we just got to become friends and i mean through that and then of course i'd go see joey and adam and the glory hounds and that, that whole great band and so I, I met him that way and okay then it's just continued over the years i mean not not all the time it's you know we don't speak every day but he sure you know or, well, he's, he's going to cut drums on one of my songs, and he asked to do it. That's so, that's I mean, awesome. That, that's it's great. I mean, it, it means the world to me to have Joey and Adam Hamilton on one of my songs. I mean, it, it doesn't get any better.
0: Well, you get you know. got two A list guys there there are with you. For for the listeners that that don't know who Adam Hamilton is, he will be. Drop in on my show. I I think it's like January sixteenth-ish, some somewhere in the middle It'll of January. Yeah, for sure. So Adam is a a list music producer in Hollywood right. and has produced for, gosh, William Shatner, uh, um, Brad God, Paisley, Life Garrett. He just finished up uh, ZZ Top. I think was in there. Uh,
2: L.A. Easton you know, of the
3: Cars was in there. Yeah, stuff. yeah,
0: yeah. And, uh, well, and he play, He was the bass player for L.A. Guns. For yeah, a long, and so.
3: uh, he just finished up a uh, Rick Springfield record.
0: Okay. Joey, refresh the listeners what your involvement, wh- where did you run into Adam initially? Where did you guys meet? Uh, Jogging your memory a little bit.
4: Yeah,
3: no. Uh, CeCe called me wanting to put a band together. I'd already been out to his house. We talked about it. Our drummer at the time was Carmine Apiece, and it didn't work out with him. And I remember telling Cece, i go, look, got to find a young, unknown guy. Going through these older guys, they're just going to want a bunch of money up front, etc. So, man, Cece brought in Adam, and I've never seen anybody play like that. I think he was about 21 at the time. And I just never seen anyone play like that. And when the CC thing did not work out, I said, Adam, please stick with me. Give me a little bit of time. I'll come up with some kind of deal. And we we ended up getting a deal, getting record video paid for, blah, blah, blah. So I owe all that to CC DeVille. Thank you, CC. And thank you, Adam. I love you.
0: Yeah, and for the listeners that are not familiar just with the name CC C. DeVille, lead guitarist for the band Poison from the 80s, right? Yeah. Big big hair glam metal band from the 80s. Yep. So it's my understanding there's another story and it involves Mount Kissmore. Talk to the listeners a little bit about Mount Kissmore and what what does that even mean?
2: Mount Kissmore is a uh, a toy. It's it's uh, it's a Kiss product that my brother Douglas Hildebrand He's a he's a great sculptor, and he sculpted a piece called Mount Kismore, not Mount Rushmore, Mount Kismore. Simmons, Simmons
3: loved it. Gene Simmons loved it.
2: Gene Simmons loved it, and so it turned into a KISS product, and uh, to a toy, I think a, a limited run of 2,000 was made, and you could buy it at Target, Walmart, all these places, and Simmons loved it, and basically it 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 sits on a shelf and it's it you know kiss has a million products but now they have Kit mount kiss more and my brother did it his name's on the box and i'm proud of him and it's cool it is cool it's it's badass man
0: well if you if you guys were able to walk inside this house we talked about it in the beginning of the show there it's kind of a a kiss shrine there's a lot of kiss stuff here and a lot of it was designed by your brother
2: sure sure He's done a lot. He's he's done a Gene Simmons bust that Gene saw at uh, Comic Con in San Diego probably six years ago, and he's the
3: Star Trek stuff.
2: Uh, the Star Trek stuff. that My brother's done from the original Star Trek series, life size Gorn, and uh, just getting off topic here just a little bit. When I met William Shatner, which is recorded with Adam Hamilton, that we all tie together here. This the six degrees of. Adam Hamilton yeah. is what we're doing here today. So, but anyway, my brother's done that, and you know we've got some Star Trek stuff signed by William Shatner. But my brother did the the Mount Kissmore. He's worked on some other items, and uh, it, it's cool stuff. And yeah, it is kind of a shrine around here. Yeah, I've got some cool guitars and some rare, one of a kind Kiss guitars autographed. And uh, um, I, I had more Kiss. I had a whole Kiss room for the last fifteen years. I mean, all the the whole collection, everything you can imagine—the the cars, the posters, the dolls, everything—and I just kind of got bored with it, so I sold it. I sold it cheap. I practically gave it away to another Kiss fan, just kind of passing it on to him. And so, I grew up with Kiss, and I, I love the the spirit of Kiss. I don't, you know, I met them a few times, and sure. I don't want to get into any negative stories about how they were when they're. Not getting paid, to, you know, to, to get you know their autograph. But anyway, some are cool, some weren't. But uh, yeah, my brother's—he's great. He's—he's—he's he's, he's done the kiss stuff, and yeah, it's cool. It's very cool.
0: Yeah, I wish the uh, listeners could walk through the house. It's—it's it's very interesting, to to say the least. Especially if you are a rock and roll person. It's—it's it's almost like coming to a mini. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say hard rock cafe, but it's kind of along those lines where you go in and you're just kind of you're kind of like, wow, look at that guitar. Oh, that was so and so's guitar. Oh, that was look at that picture. You know, that's kind of the first thing that kinda ran through my mind. It's uh it's really cool. It's a treat to be here. And and again, I I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you and Joey a question because it's always good to know from a from a musician's vantage point. How would you as a musician define success i'll let i'll let you go first you want me to jump
2: in on that yeah uh success for me is writing a song me loving it first being able to record produce it engineer it and get it out to other people that could possibly hear it and them say hey i like your song i listen to it i love it Maybe I want to start a fan club, like over in Spain. <laughs> you know, for example, that that's success for me. I would love to say it's it is more than that, but I think if you're a purist and a songwriter, I, I I would like to think they would tell you that first. And but I can't speak. I can only speak for me, and that's what it is for me: is just my love of the music, and the love that I grew up with all the bands I grew I feel like I grew up in the right area, you know, I don't want to, oh, back in my day, you know, yeah. we had the better music, you know, but I, I honestly right. believe that. And I wouldn't, if you got to live and die, I don't, I'm not going to change the years I was born uh, to the end because I got the great music. I mean, I've got to, I've got to hear and see the difference in music, you know, starting when I was in, in the sixties, my sister playing all the Beatles, you know, the, <laughs> Bread, America, oh, all, all the stuff.
4: Good stuff. Know, I grew oh, up with that stuff. stuff.
2: Yeah. So I grew up with that and in the 70s and then even the 80s. I loved that stuff and then it started changing for me and I, I didn't really like some of the 90s stuff. I like some of it, but I just kind of grew away from it. But, but the success for me is to to be able to write a song and have somebody enjoy it. I mean, that's it's pretty basic 101 for me. Yeah. And the, the other stuff in between is just fluff. Yeah. I uh, just, you know, you just, you, you hope somebody enjoys it.
0: I agree. Mm-hmm. Joe, you want to take a swag at that question?
3: Yeah. Uh, for, for, for me, success is knowing that as as we speak, there are people listening to songs that I wrote or co-wrote. There are people listening to me and my bandmates right now. That is success. And I think everybody gets in this business for the same reason. When they start, you just want to be working. You, you want to be out there. Now, Michael, he, did, he didn't like to travel and I love to travel. I love waking up in different hotels, different cities. But for me, success is knowing that there's people that love your stuff, they're listening to it right now. And also success is being able to look in the mirror and say it took a lot of years, but I finally got to the point to where I'm sounding close, (laughs) kind of close. To my favorite artists of all time, that that was it for me. I just wanted somebody to say that song reminds me of a Beatles song, or that song reminds me of a ELO. That was my thing. I wanted to sound like those guys. I was a late bloomer, and I'm wearing bloomers. No, <laughs> I'm not wearing bloomers. No, I was a late bloomer, but I got there. Damn it.
0: I think what I love about that question is that everybody that I've asked that question of money has not ever come up in the answer. And to me, that's what separates the musician's musician from the douchebags out there that are only in it for fucking money. Yeah. Like it it drives me. Money is not everything. Yeah. We all need money. We all have bills to pay. But you're doing it to touch people at the end of the you day. Gotta
3: Absolutely. It, you gotta love it. You gotta love
2: every yeah. aspect of it. So, Joey, when you said you were a late bloomer, <laughs> how late of a bloomer?
3: I don't, I can't listen to anything that I co wrote or wrote. Nothing until probably my mid 30s. But when did you start singing? When did you say, hey, high I want to? I was high school. I saw, <laughs> me and Lane Sheridan from uh, Sweet Savage we had a band called Truce in high school mm-hmm. so I started when I was in high school okay I, th- I
2: think I knew that but I I didn't want to take over the interview here but I, I, it's, no, that's I, great. I, that question just kind of sparked my imagination because when people ask me that it's like I didn't even pick up the bass guitar until I was 21
3: I heard yeah. those girls scream yeah. and I go man yeah, that's, that's all it, it that's
0: all it took yeah
2: were they screaming for the right reason or the wrong reason?
3: I think it was right. I think, well, yeah. You know, the volume and the band. Uh huh. Also, you know.
0: I think it was the jock strap. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: no, I, I grew up in a very small town, a little hillbilly town. We didn't get a lot of live music there, and it was just good timing.
2: How, how, what was the screaming like after at the after parties from the women? Was that... He totally doesn't remember. Is that a different show? <laughs> it wasn't much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. okay. That was a couple years later. That was a couple years later. Cause yeah. I, I think I was I was there at a couple of those.
4: Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, I, I was at many Sweet Savage shows. I, I yeah. know, I can only imagine what the after after party screaming was, but we're not going to go down that rabbit we're, hole We're not going right to go now. down there right now. Joe's arrested. a humble guy. I'll yes, arrested. he is.
2: Well... <laughs> Thank God for no cell phones. Right. <laughs> what stayed at the club
0: or what happened at the club stayed yeah, at the most club. Of the time. What is coming up musically for Michael Hildebrandt and Bubblegum Orchestra? What can you talk about with a, the listeners?
2: A double album out in 2022, uh, God willing. It's 18 songs. I'm just finishing it up. And I, I've, I realized just within the past few months of finishing it up, I have all the all the music done and I have to sing one more song. It's the last song on the album. Uh, it's called Angie's Song. It's it's for my girl and it's a, it's a beautiful little tune. I hope she likes when she hears it.
3: I bet she will. I, I bet she will.
2: so. Um, so it's a double album and I, like, I was realizing that it's basically the follow-up to Sticky Love Songs that came out in 2016. It was a double album. Um, I'd been through a, a certain relationship and I don't always write about my own life. I, I just, write what I think people want to hear or what I observe in life and write about those topics. But, uh, the sticky love songs, volume one and two was uh, a majority of that was about uh, kind of something bad. And this, thank God, um, I met Angie and this stuff's about good stuff. So it's like the, the yin to the yang, the McCartney one to the McCartney two. Yep. Uh, that's basically where I'm headed with this. And, it's got a totally different uh, title for the, the name of the album, which I'll reveal you know, at a later time. But that's what's coming up in 2022 is, is a double album, and I can't wait because the first single is going to be "I Found an Angel," featuring Joey C. Jones right on.: Adam, and Adam Hamilton Adam Hamilton. Yep. And I, I, I can't wait for all that to happen.
0: And a studio rat named Randy Halsey,
2: right?
3: Yeah, <laughs> I thank the Randy Halsey
2: for doing this interview and and yeah. bringing this to
3: people's, you know. So that thank they you know. for yeah. driving up here from oh, Houston, God. Randy. Absolutely, thing, that's a seven-hour round <laughs> trip drive. Oh, oh, God.
0: Seems like it, but uh, no, I'm glad to be here. Where can the listeners find you on social media?
2: You, well, social media or purchasing your music anywhere. Well. I have a website, and that's the only place you can purchase it. I used okay. to have it on Spotify. I used to have it on iTunes, and I don't like their policies on what they pay you. And I'm not, I'm not going that right anyway. Anyway, you can get all my music off my album. You want to download the first five albums, I have CDs. I stopped doing CDs just because it's that's another whole that's another show. But you can do it there. I just recently got on Facebook about a month and a half ago. Oh, really? For the first time. Yeah. Interesting. But my girl got me. What did, a beating! It huh? was a beat yeah. down. And I love it. And I just, I'm not a super social media guy, although I, I, I do love seeing some old friends and meeting new people like you, Randy. And uh, I, I have a Twitter page and just, just your basic stuff. And I think the fan page has a, uh, they have their own Facebook fan page. They have a fan page, Instagram, and they have a fan page, Twitter, Okay. And then there's also just a fan page blog where they do interviews with me, learn some rare stuff, ask me questions, stuff maybe they want to know, stuff you know that that just stuff that's not your normal stuff. Yep. And really cool stuff. And so you, you can find me in all those those places. D- do you have a Patreon account by any chance? Uh, uh, excuse me.
0: Patreon. Have you heard of Patreon? Uh-huh. So it might be something to look into with your with your fan club. Most people that have a good following, there's a uh, they call it Patreon, and it's where uh, your fans can um, pay like five bucks a month or whatever. It's like a a subscription and it may not be your thing, but I'm just sharing it with you. And then maybe some of the listeners out there that are thinking about something like this, but um, it's a place where it can be a residual income for the artist and people can go in and and see special videos from their favorite artists. They'll do special releases or they'll give them a pre-release of a song, you know, three days before it drops or, you know, things like that for the money. So I didn't know if you had one or not, No, but uh, anyway, it's
2: an option that that
4: sounds
0: interesting to me.
2: Sure. Um, But to get people to pay $5 a month, I, 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 Think there's some good people that would, but sure. A lot of my stuff gets ripped off.
0: Yeah, well, I,
2: you know, as as
0: that's does another, everybody. That's a whole other story in and right. of itself, right? So, but yeah, yeah. The,
2: what you just mentioned sounds like a, you know a good opportunity, and I'm going to check into that. And thank you for bringing it to my attention.
0: Absolutely. But yeah. Let's do a, a few quick fire questions. I know we've got pizza on our brain. We're going to go have some pizza here, so I'm excited about that. Favorite ELO song of all time.
2: Need Her Love off uh, Discovery Album 1979. It's a slow song. It's a B-sider.
0: Okay. That's it. What about, uh, do you have a favorite Beatles song
2: of all time? Uh, and I love her. I love that. I love, the so- I love the love songs, man. You a summer or winter guy? Oh, I like
4: uh, summer. TV or radio? Yeah. And it- radio. Okay. Digital audio workstation of choice. I have Pro Tools. Okay. Is there a reason
0: why you chose Pro Tools? I'm always curious about that. I use Cubase, but I didn't know if... I think a lot of times for artists, it's like, that's what I started on and that's what I'm still on kind of thing. It's kind of like the whole... I'm, I, I'm a Marlboro smoker. It was my first cigarette, and I just stayed with Marlboro all, my whole life, right? It's, it's a religion thing, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: That's what I started with. You know, you get used to something, and, uh, you know, there's, there's so many different ones out there. And like I was telling you earlier, you know, I've, I can't even upgrade any. If I upgrade, it's going to cost me money. So Right. <laughs> so I just use Pro Tools. It works for me. Performing
0: or producing? Producing. Early bird or night owl?
2: Early, but sometimes late. Out.
0: I, I notice I've sent some early messages to you, and I get a pretty quick response sure, from you. So,
2: either. well, listen. You can either. Uh, how did my mom say it? You can either soar with the eagles or fly with the turkeys. <laughs> That's, <Okay>? right. <laughs> That's right. That's right.
0: That's <laughs> right. This is kind of a. I wouldn't look at it as calling your baby ugly, but if you had to pick a favorite bubblegum orchestra song. Do you have one? No. I figured I that can would just, be your I can, answer.
2: Everybody's going to say that. They're all my baby. No. Cuz okay. I'd have to start thinking.
0: I didn't I just didn't know if there was I didn't I didn't want that question thought about. I just didn't know yes. if there's one that just resonated. I do. Like that's kind of the yes. one. That's it for Love, me.
2: Love 101 off of mood swings. Okay. It's a slow album and it's Love 101. Love 101. And, and Took some time out of your rapid fire, but it's a lovely one.
0: No, that, no, that's great. I would send that question over to you, Joey. Like the songs that you've recorded in the years, is there one that's kind of been the one that that's just yeah. your go-to song?
3: Yeah, in nineteen ninety-one, way back then, and this is when I finally started figuring out songwriting. Not not that I figured out anything, but come close. Yeah, there's a song called "Kiss the World." I, I think it's by far the best thing I've done, and Dito Godwin, the producer, God rest his soul, he just passed away a few weeks ago, he slowed it down, turned it into a bluesy thing, lost his feel. When I've worked with the producers in the past, I've gotten my heart broke a few times, Rick Nielsen, Rob Zander, you know, Randy Nichols, I've worked with a lot of big name guys and they put their stamp on it,
4: mm. but
3: yeah. The song's called Kiss the World. It's on Best of Joey C. Jones, Volume 1. It's a great song. At demondollrecords.com. Buy it. Love that song. Thank you, brother.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to make sure that the listeners knew that your website was bubblegumorchestra.com. I don't think you've... specifically mention the website name but for the listeners BubblegumOrchestra.com is where you can find the the music for purchase that would be great if you guys would visit that bass guitar brand of choice Warwick Warwick bass I think I know the answer but for the listeners was there another artist that kind of not really made Warwick famous but was there another musician out of the 80s that played Warwick do you remember?
2: I don't. Jack okay. Bruce, you know, he, he made Warwick famous. The thumb bass. I like the thumb bass. Okay. Um, I've had a couple of endorsements with them over the years. So I played other basses starting out. Once I played that, my Warwick, no turning back.
0: I thought it was really interesting, even being a guitarist, when you pulled that one bass down and. Clicked the switch and the fret markers lit up on it. And I'm like, what in the hell? Like, I've never, yeah. I've been playing guitar for 37 years and I've never seen that before. Maybe I just never came to Michael Hildebrandt's house. I don't know. It, it's just it's an, an added cool. thing.
2: Yeah, it's cool that uh, Warwick did for me. That they, they made that for me in their custom shop in in Germany when I got my my second endorsement with them about 11 10 years ago. And uh, yeah, I designed it. They there's there's a video of it. Being made. It's cool.
0: Very cool. Yeah. If you had a podcast show, who do you think would be the first artist that you would ask to be on your show? Who would you like to pick the brain of?
2: Anybody in the whole world? Yeah. I'd probably either go with, uh, I'd have to answer three things. It's either going to be McCartney, C. Jones, or Jeff Lynne. One of those three. That's cool. Yeah. Of course, I know some of Joey's history, but I'd still like to. I just like to be in his company. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah, you know? I'm the <laughs> fortunate.
2: It's it's more it's more for that reason than anything.
3: Yeah, and plus, he see he's had a hard time getting Paul McCartney and Jeff Lynne to call him back. Them bastards! <laughs> I, I,
2: I, I, I can't get it done. I even had an in, and, and I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it done. To couldn't
0: Jeff. close the deal, huh?
2: No, I know his personal uh, manager, and I couldn't couldn't do it for me.
0: Well, I don't know. Maybe there's maybe. Well, I guess. If you couldn't get it done that way, it might be virtually impossible, but uh, maybe there's another avenue. Who knows, right? I, I met
2: the guys real quick. His name's Phil Hatton, and he's been Jeff Lynn's personal assistant for years, and uh, Joey was at the show. He maybe you saw him backstage, he's, and uh, I'd got an email from Phil Hatton after I released ELO Forever, and he's an English guy, and it just said, great job, mate. I was like, wow, cool. Who's Phil Hatton? Right. And then I looked him up and I was like, okay, he's, he's his right-hand man. So I have his email That's address. So, cool. so when he came to play here and I was like, Mr. Hatton, is there any way? I told him who I was, reminded him of the email. Is there any way I could meet Mr. Lynn? Ten seconds. Just a quick picture. This is before COVID. Just a quick, quick picture backstage. You know, I'm not going to ask him any stupid question. Just hello, big fan. And he said, I wish I could help you, but I can't. So, you know, I understand that a lot of people that like Jeff Lynn, that are really famous, they can't meet him either. So it's hard to do. But anyway, I tried. That was my end. And I, I struck out. Well, oh, I struck out. I had nothing.
0: You got to E for effort. You got to go to the tried. plate and swing the bat. Man, right? I
2: swung that <laughs> fucker about 20 <laughs> times before the ball even got there. You corkscrewed yourself into mm, the dirt. Well, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. well, well, go down the corkscrew. Right. Yeah, that's a...
4: Well,
0: well I want to ask the listeners to follow Michael on social media and also get out to the BubblegumOrchestra.com site and purchase some of the music. Michael, I... I thank you for being on the show, for being a a gracious guest, to to take the interview, to have me in your home. It's certainly a treat and an honor to be here with with the one and only Joey C. Jones as well. How how else could the stars better align than to have Joey in the studio with you when I come down? That's why I was saying earlier... It the, the stars aligned and we kind of orchestrated that to, to kill a couple of birds with one stone because Joey and I have been talking countless times back and forth. When you come into Houston, when you come into Dallas, but, you know, in the everyday grind, it's just hard to get away and, is, and, and whatnot. So I'm glad that, that this worked out.
2: Yes, um, stars are shining. On absolutely, all three of us
0: today. I also um, we're blessed, man. Absolutely. All I also ask the out. listeners to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. As always, you can find the show on Facebook at Backstage Pass Radio Podcast, on Instagram at Backstage Pass Radio, Twitter at Backstage Pass PC, and on the website at BackstagePassRadio.com. You guys make sure to take care of yourselves and one another and also continue to support local musicians. I'll see you right back here on the next episode of Backstage Pass Merry Radio. Christmas. Merry Christmas, to you. Thank everybody. you, Randy.
1: Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Make sure to follow Randy on Facebook and Instagram at Randy Halsey Music and on Twitter at R Halsey Music also make sure to like subscribe and turn on alerts for upcoming podcasts if you enjoyed the podcast make sure to share the link with a friend and tell them backstage pass radio is the best show on the web for everything music we'll see you next time right here on backstage pass radio